0: Amen. I want to go to the book of Isaiah in chapter 61, and I usually spend a lot of time throughout the week planning a sermon, and this one I wanted to, I, I kind of knew a direction I was going to go, but I wanted to wait until our training to try to fine tune it of exactly what I wanted to do, because I wanted to tie in, I wanted to be something that that goes along with what we went over the last couple of days. And I think it's very important to realize why we're here, what we are about, what our purpose is. See, we don't... Isaiah 61, 61. We don't do ministry to be recognized. We don't do ministry to have a name, to have people look at us and say, wow, that's amazing what you're doing. That's not why we do it. Aaron asked me one day, he said, What do you guys want to be called up there? You, you know, you can, you can be under, a, a, you know, you can be identified as uh, the Jonah Project or you can have your own name. And I said, You know what? We don't care. It's not about a name, it's not about an accolade. It is about ministering for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. Isaiah 61, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to point unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He might be glorified. Lord, I ask God that You will, in this short time, give us something that we can use, something that will help us, guide us, and encourage us. And Lord, we just... Praise you for all that you do and what you've already done today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Now we all know, and we can give examples, of big-name preachers that have fallen because they lost sight on what they were about, what they were called to do. Maybe some of them never were actually called to do what they were doing. It's one thing I have found in Scripture. When you look at God's people that he raised up they often are very hesitant to take the job that they're being called to do. Have you noticed that in scripture? <laughs> he just uh, Jonah a great example of it. You see that in in Moses, you see that in in the the people of God as God starts to call them and anoint them, they tend to say, "I can't do this." You know what makes them qualified to do the job? Is the fact that they say, I can't do this. You, are, you should always be worried about a preacher or a minister who gets up and says, I've got this. I've got, I've got the training. I've been to the university. I've been to cemetery, I mean seminary. I have been to all that, and I am so ready to do this. I've got it. The devil's going down, and we're going forward. That's the one you ought to be really worried about. The ones that get up there and say, God, I absolutely can't do this. I stutter. I, I, I fumble around with my words. I, I don't speak in front of people. There's some people right here in this congregation, some of the men, I ask them to come up here, they go white immediately. You, you just see that. They, will you read scripture today? Uh, okay. You know, I get that look. <laughs> There's something about when God wants you to do something. Why does he seem to pick the people who feel the least able to do it? Because God wants to be glorified in this thing, not man. It is about what God wants to do. And when he takes somebody that is frail and broken and and timid and worried and and unsure and insecure, he says, I can use you because when I get done with you, you're going to glorify me because everybody's going to know that I touched you and I placed you in that position. When you look at something as vast, as big as uh, the Jonah project, I I venture to say, I imagine that Bindi and Aaron were probably pretty shaken when they first started thinking about this. They were like, I don't know about this. (laughs) Can I just teach Sunday school and just call it good? Can I just do that? Because this is enormous what God has placed upon them. And it's enormous what God has called this body to do along with them. We don't have the ability to do that. We're a little tiny hole in the wall church in a town that nobody's ever heard of. I own what? When you're on the phone with somebody and they say, Where are you? You say, I own. What? I O W what? I own. I own what? They're lost. They don't know what they're talking about. But you know what? God will take this small body of people, this small group of people, and He will embolden us and empower us and anoint us to do what we, can, we cannot possibly do outside of Him. It's going to take the power of Almighty God to do that. Why are we doing that? Because God died on a cross to set people free. God died on a cross. Do you realize that all sin is bondage? All sin is bondage. I don't care what it is. You can talk about uh, drugs, which are so prevalent today. The, I did a uh, presentation just a couple of months ago on, on the drug epidemic and, and how, how many lives, and I believe it was, what, 2016, it was something like 64,000, 68,000 people died that, that year. They're talking about now. They think it's going to be well over a hundred thousand. It, it is exploding the amount of overdose deaths. I know two of two uh, in Ponderay County just in the last couple of weeks, right in in our area uh, of overdoses. One that I I heard was on life support and probably not expected to live. The other one was able to. Uh, be saved but this overdose epidemic is massive and it's grabbing people's lives and holds them and you better believe that drugs are a bondage and i don't get it and you know you can't explain it either i'm sure i all of us know what drugs do so why does somebody pump it into their vein the first time or snort it up their nose i don't get it do they think they're the exception to the rule i hope my voice holds out for this very short sermon it might be shorter than you planned i don't know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> do they think they're the exception that it's not going to affect them the way it does everybody else? But folks, I deal with it all the time and I look at those broken and, I sh- and those shattered lives and people convulsing and screaming and writhing on the floor and, and I think, why did you do this? Why did you go that way? And I guarantee that not one of them sat in school as a, as a 10-year-old said, boy, I sure hope I grow up to be a drug addict. I don't think any of them did that. If you went to them and said, what do you want to do? They're going to say, I want to be a fireman, a policeman, a, uh, you know, a politician, an astronaut, or whatever it may be, but none of them said, I just want to be bound on heroin. I want to, I want to overdose on fentanyl. That's what I want to do. But the simple fact is, we have a devil that is about... Killing, stealing, and destroying. And he will do anything he can to accomplish that goal. He's going to destroy people's lives. What is our job? Our job is to stand in the gap. What did God say? Do I have a man who will stand in the gap? Where is he? I want somebody who will stand in the gap. He said, but I found none. I didn't find somebody to stand in the gap. Folks, that's why God called us. It's to stand in the gap. To take that message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a freeing gospel. That's what the gospel does. It frees people from that bondage. You say, well, thank God I was never in that. Yes, you were. Yes, you were. It may not have been drugs. It may not have been heroin. It may not have been meth. It may not have been pornography or whatever it was. But you were bound in something. Until the day that Jesus Christ saved your soul and, and, and purchased you, you were bound in something. That's why God called us to take that message and draw people out of that bondage. Give them the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How do you do that? You do that through truth. John 8.32 says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If If the Son therefore hath made you free, you are free indeed. God wants His people to live in freedom. He doesn't want us bound. He doesn't want us held. Do Christians ever get bound in things? You better believe they do. <coughs> you better believe that Christians get bound in things. But God's message is a message of freedom. Free the children of God. Free the, the world, the lost in the world that are, that are so bound in these things. Romans chapter 6 and 16 says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants are you to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Oh, thank you. God bless you. Intermission. And I won't do the cough drop because somebody will get that in the eye. <laughs> Verse 18. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men, because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness, and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members from service to righteousness unto holiness. You are bound in sin. Now yield yourself to holiness and righteousness. Then he goes on to say, For when ye were the service of sins, ye were free from righteousness. But fruit hath ye then in those things there whereof ye are now ashamed, for the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become service to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end of everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Simple fact is. We're surrounded by people, and I own, and everywhere around us, that are bound in sin. They are looking for an answer. They want to go, as our daughter-in-law, to rehab. Chances are, she's not going to get free in rehab. She's already been like five or six different times. Probably not going to happen. But you know what she did have access to, and she did reject? The gospel of Jesus Christ. That's, that could have freed her. That could have been the answer to her, and it is still the answer to her, but she still chooses that life. And why? You say, well, it's an addiction. She can't just break it. God is an addiction-breaking God. I believe that. I said last week, how do you get the air out of the glass? You fill it with water. You can't suck the air out of the glass. You'll break the glass. The only way to get the air out of the glass is to fill it with something else. The only way to get the world out of you is to fill you with something else. And that is Almighty God. That is the Spirit of Almighty God. When you're full of the Spirit of God, you're not full of the world, right? Are you with me? Are you asleep yet? My voice has come back. I'm ready now. Satan's plan is to ensnare all people. He wants us bound. He wants us gripped. He wants to hold us and pull us into something. And there are so many things he pulls us into. Aaron talked a lot about fear yesterday. Fear is one of the great tools that the devil owns, he loves fear. He puts fear on people all the time. And there are a million different variations of what a person may be afraid of. You want to see my wife dance like Fred Astaire? Just have a spider appear. She will do it like you wouldn't, but she can do things. Just let a spider come into the scene, right, babe? Yeah? Every. You ever watch those videos on the internet where somebody all of a sudden comes up on a snake they didn't see? Oh yeah! They start doing moves they didn't even know they could possibly do. But fear comes in a lot of different ways. Sometimes fear is just a a woman who doesn't have a husband around who's laying in bed at night and she hears a noise and she's terrified and she doesn't know what's out there. Sometimes fear is a child that wonders if mom or dad is going to come back home again. Fear can come in a lot of different ways. And those things hold you. I remember to this day, I was three, three, three years old when my mom and my dad walked out the door. And I remember that day like it was yesterday. I remember it vividly as my mom said something to the effect that I wish you guys had never been born and she walked out the door. I remember it. Folks, if you remember something from three years old, It has an impact on you. And I remember I watched her back as she walked out the door and slammed it. And my brother and I started playing on the phone and somehow we got a hold of the operator and the operator sent the police and I still remember being picked up and carried out and sent into a police car and driven away. That's all I remember. But folks, that's what fear is. Is a child wondering, was mom and dad ever going to come home again? Am I ever going to see my parents again? That fear can be so many, many, many different ways. The devil uses fear, but God does a supernatural thing where the Spirit of God gets in there and He drives fear away. He frees us and delivers us from fear. He takes that fear and replaces it with the Spirit of Almighty God. There's something powerful in what the Spirit of God is able to do. Galatians 5.1 says, It was for this freedom that Christ set us free. Completely liberated us. Therefore, Keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery which you once were. What is he trying to tell us? God saved you out of it. Don't go back to it. Once you're out of there, don't pick it up again. When God takes it away, leave it at the altar and don't ever get back into it again. How many times it's frustrated me down through the years to see people genuinely get delivered of something and they seem to be all right for a while and then something tempts them and they go back into it again. It is possible to walk right back into what God freed you from. Don't do it. Whatever God freed you from, don't do it. I I get frustrated at my dad this day, and he's doing good now, but that man has quit smoking about 875 times. And I'm like, Dad, you go like a year or two, and you don't smoke, and then you all of a sudden do it again. Why Why? Why would you go through all the misery of not smoking for that long, and then you're finally done, and then you turn around and do it again? Drives me nuts. But you know what? Christians do it. God delivers them out of something and they turn around and get right back into it again. Folks, we've got to be full of the Spirit of God. When we're full of the Spirit of God, we can defeat those things through His power, not on our own behalf. Let me tell you something. We aren't saved by anything we did and i you've heard this a thousand times for me you 'll hear it a thousand more. You can be the best person that the world has ever seen. You can spend every waking moment that you have in a soup kitchen or a, or a shelter of some kind. You can be in in haiti f- your, all your life. You can go to, to, to Papua New Guinea, whatever it is. You can work laboriously until your, your life saps from your body, from exhaustion, doing whatever you do, can do for other people. And when you die, you will go to hell, except if you're, unless you are born again. Born again first, then you work for the kingdom of God as God empowers us. But there are so many people that think, if I do the right thing, if I work hard, if I don't hurt anybody, I'm okay with God. Folks, you're not okay with God until you and God have had a relationship one with another. It takes that relationship with God. There's a TV show on now. Anybody seen A Good Place? Anybody see that? That is the way the world views heaven. That is the way the world views heaven. Just watch an episode sometime. Maybe. I wouldn't recommend it. But anyway. (laughs) That's the way they view heaven. Basically, the premise is you got the good place and you got the bad place. And you get to go to one or the other based on how good you were in your life. You know what? It's not based on that. Heaven is not based on how good you were. Heaven is based on how good God is. Because God loved us enough to send His Son to die on a cross. And unless you believe that, unless you believe that and, and, and hold that, you do not have salvation. You must be born again. Isn't that what Scripture tells us? And when you're born again, God sets us free. We are free indeed. We are clean. Ephesians 6 says, With all power and petition, pray with specific requests at all times, even on every occasion, this is out of the Amplified, on every occasion and in every season, in the Spirit, with this in view, stay alert, and with all perseverance and petition, interceding in prayer for all God's people. And pray for me that words may be given me when I open my mouth to proclaim boldly, the mystery of the good news of salvation, for which I am an ambassador in chains. I pray that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly and courageously as I should. You know what God wants us to do? He wants us to be so full of the Spirit of God that no matter where we go, we're okay to tell somebody who we serve. Tell somebody about who we serve and who our God is. Paul said, Paul, you think, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Did he ever have a problem being bold? You know what? He did. And he said, Pray for me. Pray for me that I will have the boldness that no matter where I go, when the opportunity presents itself, I will be able to tell somebody that Jesus Christ is real. We need to pray that we have that boldness. We have to be born again, we have to be filled with the Spirit, and then we have to have the boldness to do what God calls us to do. Folks, it takes boldness to talk to somebody about Jesus Christ because folks don't want to hear it anymore. I remember the days when people were gracious, even if they didn't want to hear it. And they're not so gracious anymore. And I've always, been a, I've always admired those people that could do that. They could tell any, anyone, anywhere. My wife and I were walking through a mall one day, and this young girl, probably 16 or 17, come bounding up like teenage girls do. Do, 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 do. If you die right now, do you know where you would go? Yeah, we do. She said, oh, okay. And then she bounded off in another direction. <laughs> I said, praise God. She had the boldness to do that. That's awesome. We had a fellow in our church that stood out in front of Walmart handing out tracts. And he, uh, he told us later on, he said, I couldn't figure out why people kept looking at me so weird. And after a couple hours of doing that, I realized my pants were unzipped. So... <laughs> That wasn't the most effective way to do that. But one thing I know is that God, and I've told you this before, I'll tell you again, God will order your steps. When you go to get your hair done, there's somebody else there, and God may open that door. Whether you go to the grocery store and pick up a gallon of milk, and you you open your refrigerator, and you're making dinner, and you open the refrigerator, and there's no milk, and you go, ah. I needed that. And you're mad and you get down in the car and you're huffing and puffing all the way to the store. You know what God might be doing? A divine appointment. He might have had to get your tail out of the house to the store because so-and-so was there that needed to meet you right then. You never know when God is ordering those steps. He will order those steps in the most unlikely place. You go down there to get your license renewed and there's a line clear to the back of the place and you go, I've got a thousand things to do today. But Susie's standing right in front of you whose life is in a shambles and, and, and falling apart. And she needs an answer and she needs somebody to tell her that there's somebody that cares. And that person's standing right in front of you and if you weren't there, they wouldn't hear it. God will order your steps. And it, sometimes it's in the most inopportune time, or when you least expect it to be so, God will order your steps. And He will bring you in contact with the right person at the right time. And that answer that you have is freedom. That answer that you have is freedom. And God has equipped you. That's what we did here this last couple of days was part of that equipping. You know, God does not call you and then immediately put you into the fire. He just doesn't do that. He will equip you. He will train you. He He will... prepare you for what is going on. Last thing you want to do is put an office in there that has not had any kind of training. Again going to Paul, he learned at the feet of Gamaliel for a couple of years before he went out with the message of the gospel. In fact, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 says that he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for what? The perfecting or the maturing of the saints. For the work of the ministry. He prepares you. He equips you. He trains you. He raises you up. He matures you. For the work of the ministry. Why? For the edifying of the body of Christ. When you come to church, are you here to feed or be fed? Quiet. (laughs) When you come here... When you get out of bed, you put your clothes on, you fight with the kids, you fight with the grandkids, you fight with the spouse, you fight with everything else, and then you come here half mad. Are you here to minister to people or to be ministered to? Yeah, in a very real way, both. But the best way I know to be ministered to is to minister to someone else. When we give of ourselves, it edifies us. God calls us, and and you've heard it a thousand times down through your Christian walk as I have when people will say, well, I just don't get fed there. And I always think, what's wrong with you then? Because if the preacher read out of the Bible, if he stood there like a tree and said, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, you should be edified. Because He's given you the Word. It shouldn't be about what the... The preacher's, his, his charisma or his, his delivery, delivery or whether you like him or don't like him. And I don't, don't like, like bald people. I don't, don't like, don't like fat people. I don't like ugly dudes with weird mustaches. I don't like them. It shouldn't be about that. It is about the word of God coming forth. Now, I, I honestly, we went to a church in Colville and I, I think it was before my wife got out. I think she was still in North Carolina. My son and I went to a church in Colville and the preacher preached a whole message and never mentioned the Bible. He never read a scripture. He never quoted a scripture. He never referred to a scripture. My son and I were looking at each other like, <laughs> what? How do you do that? How do you re- I don't even understand such things. <laughs> so he said, for the edifying of the body of Christ, what is the ultimate goal? I know I need to shut up. I'm, I'm working on it. What is the ultimate goal? Verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith. That's what God is calling us to do. Because in every body, every church, there are some that have money. There are some that don't have money. There are some that showered that morning. There are some that didn't shower that morning. There are some that, that are from big families. Some are from small families. Some even have mental illness. Some have physical frailties. There are so many different people that all come together. They're all in a different place. Some... Uh, are, are on fire and, and passionate for the Lord. Some are like, yeah, I'm coming to church because the wife said I had to. Or I don't get dinner. You know, they, they, there's always a bunch of different reasons why people are here. Why is Carla jabbing Mike right now? I'm not sure what that's about. I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to know what happened this morning there. <laughs> Till we all come in the unity of the faith. We all come together. We come together. Does that mean we all agree on every single thing? Good luck with that. Good luck with that. You ever heard a preacher, you agree with everything he says? I hope not. <laughs> I tell you honestly, I hope you've never found a preacher that you agree with everything he says. You shouldn't agree with everything he says because you should know the word enough to say, this is what I believe, this is where I'm at, and you know what? None of us have a handle on this thing. None of us do. I do There are places in Scripture that I look at and people will ask me, and I'm just on, honest enough to tell them, if they ask me, I'll just like, I don't know. I don't get it. I'll look at it again and try to tell you, but I don't, I don't understand that part. One of my worst ones is prayer. Some people, people want me to explain prayer. I do the best I can. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. What if you have four people over here praying for rain and five people over here praying for sun? Who wins? <laughs> and then they you know we got to get everybody praying for somebody to be healed well how many is enough because bible says two or three but what if you get five well we will really get this person healed because we will have 10 oh well what if we get 20 i'm confused i really don't understand the dynamics of prayer i honestly don't but i do know one thing it works we see it all the time. We see it continually right here in, this old, in our own church. But I don't have a handle on everything in Scripture. I don't. And no other preacher does either. But we come together with our differences, with our disagreements, and we come together as a body and say, It's okay. You may not have the same amount of money. You may have more. You may have less. You may be, have a fancy car. You may have a junky car. You could be in a big family or a small family. Whatever it is, we come together as a body. And we are together in unity. Then he goes on to say that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, back and forth. Anybody else get crazy when, pe- when Christians do that? One Sunday, they're on top of the world doing a Michael Jackson dance. And the next week, they're like, oh, God help me if I could just get through this week. And then uh, they read some book. Oh, God help us with books. They read some book from some big name preacher and all of a sudden, they're off on some crazy tangent. And then later, they read another book by another preacher and they're off on another direction. Stop it. Stop. Stop. Don't do that! <sighs> That'll, that's another sermon. I'll stop. <laughs> Don't be tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the slight of man in cunning craftiness. Cunning craftiness. Who's he talking about right there? Those, those preachers, preachers that write those books. I'll leave that. Therefore, <laughs> Thereby, they, wait, they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, that's what God called us to do. Speak in the truth in love. Don't be afraid of the truth. But don't use it as a hammer. You know you can use the truth as a hammer? And you're not helping anybody. When you beat somebody down with the truth. But the love of God presented in that compassion. And that, you know, the truth of God showed in, in compassion and love. They may grow up into Him in all things. Which is the head? Even Christ. That's what we're here for. That's why God called us. That's why God has placed every one of us together in this place. Would you stand, please? Father, in all my frailty, I thank you, God, that you let my voice hold out. I didn't think it would. And I thank you. But Lord, in all of that, in all my frailty, I pray that your word, spoken through my mouth, will do something in the heart of People here. Encourage us and embolden us. Lord, some of us need correcting. Some of us need chastising. Some of us need encouragement. Some of us need direction. Some of us are fearful and they just need peace. Lord, I just pray that you will do that work. <clears throat> I pray, Father, that the Spirit of God will do a work within the heart of each one of us today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.